We're starting a new series today called The Life of Your Soul, and I'm excited about this series because uh, it's been a year of bruising for our souls, if we're honest. Uh, months of stress and pain because of people and pandemic and politics. Um, there's been enough blow and counter blow and angry words flying and insinuations and implications and offenses that were real and overstated and uh, it was a battle year for souls. And we're about to emerge into a new day. There's a post-2020 emergence, an emerging after the emergency as it were. And uh, no matter where you are on the spectrum of, of how you handle that or what you think or what your beliefs are about it, the simple truth is it's almost over, right? And we are gonna emerge from this, uh, this era and we're gonna come out and uh, we're gonna be back to uh, a place where everybody is free from masks um, because whether you believe in um, uh, vaccinations or not, which is an, it's just things entirely up to your conscience. And so uh, that's, a, that's a matter of conscience. And, and so if there are people whose conscience say, I, I don't wanna be vaccinated, don't get on their backs. And if there are people who say, I wanna be vaccinated, don't get on their backs, it's an issue of conscience. But the day, whichever way you believe about that, at the end of, in a very few short months, the people who wanna be vaccinated are gonna be able to be, and the people who don't wanna be are not gonna be, and then we're gonna do away with masks. Is that fair? I'm so looking forward to that. I'm so looking forward to the day we can hug and worship and dance around this place. <clears throat> but we're about to emerge anyway. Whichever, whichever side of that, you know, that ball of wax you stand on, the, the fact is we're all coming out of it. It's all gonna be over soon. Now our opportunity as believers is not to come out of this season with bruised and beaten up and battered souls death by a thousand paper cuts from comments that other people made. I don't wanna emerge out of this time bleeding and scraping by and saying, thank goodness we just made it through. I wanna come out of this with a soul that is intact and in full and overflowing with joy, uh, governed by peace, walking in clarity, knowing the heart of God. That's who we are called to be. That's our inheritance. And so for us to come limping out of something like this is just embarrassing and wrong. So I've been, I've been thinking about this opportunity for us to overflow with gratitude and thankfulness to have a soul prospering life. So I come to the central question of the series that we're doing, and this is it. What can I do to have a healthy soul brimming with life? What can I do to have a healthy soul brimming with life? Because the truth is, the scriptures talk about your soul prospering and being fed and restored and uh, being richly uh, prospered. And let's face it, in this world, uh, your soul and mine are gonna be in constant need of tending. John 3, 1, Jesus, uh, John says, I pray that you prosper and be in health just as your soul is prospering. And John, so John writes, to, he says, your soul is in fine health. You're overflowing, you're beautiful. You're full of joy and peace and the righteousness that means the kingdom is manifest in you and I can see it in you. And he says, now I'm praying that your body come into line with the how prospering your soul is. I'm praying that you be in health. And so the question is, I come back to it. What can I do? How do I cooperate with the processes of God in this season? Because I guarantee you, your soul is supposed to be at peace 
and rest and fullness and overflowing with love. Not knotted up, stressed, angry. So yeah, we're gonna be promised trials of many kinds. Jesus said in this world you will have trouble, but there'll also be unspeakable joy and full of glory. Yes, there'll be moments of suffering that the scriptures talk to, you can't avoid that. But there'll also be healing tenderness from God. There might even be persecution from this world, but the wonderful favor of Jesus. Now all of this started stirring in my own heart with this beautiful invitation that God made in Isaiah chapter 55. And I wanna read it to you from the Living Bible. It says, come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, for the life of your soul is at stake. Oh, I love that. Listen, listen to me, for the life of your soul is at stake. I'm ready to make with you the same covenant I made with David. You see, God promised David, he said, David, I love you. Love the way you lead. I'm gonna stand with you and I'm gonna back you. And one of your sons is gonna govern forever. He was talking about Jesus. And on the throne of his father, David, Jesus reigns. And from that time of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. God said, I, I, I'll make the same covenant I made with David. I said to David, if you mess up, I'll discipline you, but I'll never take my love from you, David. And so God said, but, but, but this, this whole blessing, this whole life, this whole infusion of prosperity of soul comes if you will listen to me. So I, point number one, and this is it, folks, if you hear nothing else, this is the whole message. Incline your ear to the Lord. Now let me just say, there's nothing profound Nothing new in the sermon, okay? If you, if you came for some new revelation, you can be disappointed by this message because it's nothing that, that's strange here, but it's no trouble for me to say the same thing to you again because it's a safeguard to you, Paul said. I'm just coming back to some of the basics because I felt like the Lord put the scripture on my heart. Listen to me, the life of your soul is at stake. And for some people here who've been through a year of bruising and have come out the other side a little bit cut up and bothered, I have a message of hope and life for you. And this is it. Various versions, the, the Living Bible says, come to me with your ears wide open, listen. So there is a coming, there is an attitude, and there is a listening. Uh, the, the NIV says, give ear, come, and listen. That's, that's a sign, a portion, a period of time where you lend your ear to the voice of God, you draw yourself near to him, and then you listen, you do, you apply what you've heard, right? This is the three-part deal. Uh, the New King James says, incline your ear, come to me, hear that your soul shall live. Now the life of your soul, if we said, if you took it literally, the life of your soul is at stake. And the way to fix and make beautiful your soul is to listen, to incline your ear, to come with your ears wide open, to give ear, as the one vision says. So what needs to happen in our minds is, I just wanna feel like there's a call for us to come to attention today, to flip a switch in our mind, to make a distinct and concerted effort to pay attention. Give ear, listen up, because your soul is dependent 
on that faculty. I don't need everybody to listen to me all the time, but every now and again, when I feel like I have something important to say in my family, I want everybody to stop talking about whatever it is that they're talking about. This is urgent, this is important. Everybody just stop, just wait, just give me your attention. Give you, shh, settle down, stop. I don't wanna talk about your day anymore. Listen, I have something important to say. And I feel like that's what the Lord's doing. I get it, I know that there's a lot on your mind. I know that there's a lot of pressure you're under. I know that you've had all of these other things. Now you need to just shh, shh, give your ear to me. Listen, because the life of your soul's at stake. Because the primary pathway to the health of your soul is to hear the voice of the Lord. The single most important spiritual discipline that you can do to restore your soul is to uh, make it uh, susceptible to put it in the presence of the Word of God. A good rest, a quiet time, a gentle friend may do you some good. A Netflix binge may take your mind off the issues, but the Word of the Lord is the only thing that has restorative power and life-giving authority. So listen, listen, listen for the life of your souls at stake. What Jesus says has incredible authority and will outlast this physical world. Because Jesus said, heaven and earth are gonna pass away, but my words are gonna stay. What is eternal on this planet is whatever Jesus has said. And so this reality that in, in eternity, when Jesus speaks, all of heaven snaps to attention. His words are held in high esteem. And they should be held in high esteem by his people. They're the great treasures of heaven. They have a massive sway in heaven and they should have a massive sway in the hearts of the people who say they believe. Now it may not be what we first think of when we think of what is important for our souls to be restored. But let me say it today loud and clear. Jesus' words are the best method to heal and restore your soul. They're endued with healing balm and encouragement and inspiration and power and hope. They're containers of all of what is in his heart because out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. And when he sends you his word, his words bring life. His words bring light, the psalmist said. His words inspire. His words stir up. His words give hope. His words endure us with courage. Because he has the words that either sustain us. And some people have words that drain us. Isaiah 50 says, the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue. This is a prophetic word about Jesus. And it says, that he wakened Jesus morning by morning to know the word that sustains the weary. That's fascinating. Jesus had to be woken and inspired and taught by the Holy Spirit every morning, morning by morning. He wakens me so that I can know the word that will sustain the weary. There are words that God has for some weary people in the room. 
There are encouragements that God has for some hopeless people in the room. There are warfare words for some who need to stir up your heart. I don't know exactly what your soul needs, but this I do know, that Jesus has some words that are uniquely designed for you to explode you into prosperity of soul. God has a word to sustain the weary. And everybody who's weary in the room today should be just jazzed about that truth. Deuteronomy 8, there's this fascinating passage where God is explaining to Moses and through Moses to the people, this is why I did what I did when I took you through this. Because they're about to go into the promised land and Moses is outlining what's gonna happen. But this is what he said, remember, how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Why? To humble you and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would listen and keep his commands. He humbled you and he causing you to hunger and he fed you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known and he did this to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. <sighs> Catch this with me. God says, okay, listen, Israel, you guys know these last 40 years. You know what I've done? I brought you out here and I led you in a way where there was no food. I led you. I said, come with me. We're going this way. And people looked up and said, what is, we go, that's the desert. And goes, yep. When there's no food and water out there, he goes, yep, come with me. And now you're out there three days and you've got no more food left and you go, we're gonna die. And he goes, no, 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 let me show you what I can do. You followed my word, let me show you. And the heavens rained down the bread of angels in the middle of the desert. And they ran out of water and he said, he said to Moses, hit the rock. And then the second time he said, just tell the rock. Just tell it. Produce some water for these people, these couple of million people and their flocks. God says, I did it this way because I was trying to teach you one lesson. Your life, your flourish, your blessing does not come just from the natural processes of your life, but your life will come because I speak to you. I wanted to teach you one lesson. You don't live by bread alone. You live by every word that comes out of my mouth. Whoo. He aimed to teach them that you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of his mouth. Your life hangs on every word that comes out of his mouth. Do you know that? Have you learned that lesson yet? Matthew 4, 4, Jesus quotes this. And he said, my safety and my sustenance and my portion are in God's hands. So when God wanted to take people into their inheritance, when he was about to bring them into this land that he had promised them, the one lesson he needed to teach them is, you take this land according to my word, not according to whatever you think. Am I preaching to you yet? You have to understand this. It was the lesson that Jesus had to learn and Jesus had to prove in his temptation. Right? Do you understand? Even Jesus was taken and the enemy said, ta-da, and he goes, no, 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 uh, whoa, whoa, I don't live by bread alone. 
I live by whatever comes out of the mouth of my father. Jesus had to face this lesson. Now you or I are not gonna be any different because he means for you to have a massive inheritance and that inheritance will be unlocked by not just our careful diligence and hard work, but as much by our listening to the voice of the Lord. We have to snap out of just living in a natural realm to snap into this place which is yours by inheritance and divine right to say, what are you saying to me, Lord? And we have to learn to step out on what he says, not just what our eyes see. You wanna walk into the promised land, this is how they did it. <laughs> you, know, you know how they went into the promised land? He didn't say, walk across the Jordan here where it's shallow and there's a sandbar. He said, I want you to walk straight at this river that's in flood. And once you, because in the natural, it looked like if we step into there, we're gonna wash downstream. And he said, come on, follow the priests, we're going through. And as they stepped, when, the foot, when they put their foot, when they put their foot on the water, it stopped. And then, and then they go, ooh, look at that. Now, now we're gonna go attack Jericho. He goes, no, hang on now. What we're gonna do is we're gonna walk around the city seven days and not, not say a word. And, and on the seventh day, you're gonna walk around seven times. Then you're gonna shout and the, and the city walls came crashing down. So you walk into inheritance, not in the natural, but you inherit by the voice of the Lord. I, so God said to, he said to Moses, I, I took you around and it took, took you guys 40 years and you still didn't learn the lesson. I, I, I did all of this to you. I humbled you and then I gave you food. And then he said, because I wanted to teach you your life. It's not about what you see and what you can do. Your life is about you listening to my voice. That's where life exists. I'm not gonna live by the natural alone, but real life, capital L, life, abundant life, eternal life needs God's word and your attentiveness to his word. But Greg, my soul is bruised and I'm tired. I need a place to hide, a shelter from the storm, a rest from the battle. Jesus said, come to me and give your ear to me and I'll give you rest and I'll restore your soul. Now in many, many places in the scripture, God's word is described as food. The prophets were told to eat the scrolls that had the word of the Lord on them and Many times the Lord speaks about, I'll feed you with honey from the rock and with the richest of fare. I'll cause you to ride on the hearts of the land. And he speaks about the rich feast of what he'll bring to people and when they imbibe his word and their souls are prospering and they're full of faith and hope and joy. And, um, and you go, but some of the most peaceful, joyful, righteous people on the earth are not necessarily the people who are in the best, most perfect circumstances. The, the, the testimony of God is not that once you accept Jesus, suddenly all your circumstances are gonna snap into perfect alignment so that you live a very calm, blessed life. No, the kingdom of God is within you and you will have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit and that as you live out of that prosperity, it will overflow into your circumstances. Yes. But the prosperity of your life does not consist with the abundance of the things around you, but with the abundance of the glory within you. Are we preaching yet? So, so there's nothing new. I mean, I'm, again, I say there's nothing new in this sermon. All I'm just trying to call you, I'm hoping that at some stage during the last five minutes, something on the inside of you clicked over and you said, 
by golly, this week, I'm gonna go and give ear to the Lord. I, I hope that at some stage, that switch flicks and you go, I just, no matter what else is going on in my life, I'm gonna dedicate some time to just go to the Lord this week and listen. Maybe it's time in his word, maybe it's time just listening to his voice. Well, I'm committing myself to give ear, to come and give ear to what the Lord is saying. Because the life of your soul is at stake. Jesus asked his disciples this. Why do you strive for food that's perishable? And you're not passionate about the food that brings eternal life? I'm ready to give you what matters most. God the Father destined me for this purpose. The, the, the immense love and kindness of the Father means that I can boldly stand up here and promise you, I can guarantee you that if you come, He will bless you. He will speak with you. Not because I'm anything, but because I know that's what His Word declares. And I know that's the nature of our Father. He said, I'll never turn anyone away who comes to me. If you come and say, Father, would you speak to me? And you incline your ear, you lean in, you make the effort, you set aside the time, God will speak to you. You will hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. So we have to learn, we have to make this decision and, and, and uh, if you hear anything else about the sermon, that's the one. Make a decision. I'm gonna go and listen to the Lord's voice. Second thing we've got to learn to do is close our ears to the lies. I cannot be open for business, for foolish talk. Every time there's foolish talk, don't sit in the counsel of the wicked, the Psalm 1 says. Don't give your ears to the people who wanna, don't get involved in the, that in every language of the world, that's the same word. We have to learn to stop listening. Just as important. The life of your soul requires good input. But it also requires that you be a little bit of a gatekeeper about what you let come in. I'm not gonna listen to that. I'm not gonna listen to that. Nicole was preaching yesterday, it's such a good illustration, she's a lady who got married and then she, so they told her, you can't have any children, and if you do get pregnant, you won't, it won't last, and she, she looked at the doctor and said, that's just crazy talk. Because we're married and we love each other and we're called to have kids, and, and that's what the Bible says. She looked at the doctor and said, that's just crazy. She just stuck a crazy label on the lie. I like that too much. It's crazy talk. Why? Because not what God said. Just go stick a crazy label on some things. This is crazy talk. And, and Goliath got up and said, ah, I'm gonna, and David looked at him and said, stick a crazy label on that guy. Dear friends, 1 Peter 2. 
I urge you as strangers and aliens, foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desire. Why? Because it wars against your soul. I, I urge you, because you're strangers and aliens here, to abstain from sinful desire. Take a little stand, go, oh, wait, no, 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 we're not, we're not, we're not gonna think on that today. No, thank you. Evil desires war against your soul. Uh, a, a few years back, Michelle and I went to a restaurant. We didn't have a reservation, and they said, well, we jam-packed, but there's a little table at the back right near the kitchen. Do you mind? And we said, no, that's fine. And so we went and sat right near the kitchen, and they had a swinging door that opened and closed. And from where I was sitting, I could see past where all the waiters were coming in and out. And on the wall, there was this, there was this <laughs> whiteboard, and it said, we have, we have an over, we've over... Um, too much soul in the, in the kitchen, too much fish, you know, the soul. Too, too much soul and it's gonna go bad tomorrow, so sell, sell, sell. And the waiter came out and said, we have a lovely soul today. I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I think I'll have the steak, you know, I'm no thanks. Imagine if, if, if the, wait, the wait staff came out and said, listen, um, you know, do you have any recommendations? He looks around and goes, yeah, listen, don't touch any of the shellfish. There's been a salmonella outbreak from here. So, how many of you are gonna order the, the crayfish? You know, no thanks, or the crab cakes. Mm, no thanks. Why, because you, it, it, there's poison in there. Now the Bible says, the Bible says, don't play with desire. Don't play with sinful desire because sinful desire, war, is at war against your soul. He didn't say don't sin. He said don't, don't play with sinful desire. Don't even let the desire bounce around in your heart and your head. Don't let it come in. A little bit of poison always has to come in something appealing because otherwise you wouldn't take of it. Evil desire, no matter how appealing the, the veneer that it comes in, is poison for your soul. Abstain from sinful desire because it war. It's at war with your soul. And, and, and friends, you and I can go and spend some time with the Lord in the morning, get full and endued, but then allow sinful desires to play around in our heads. And that poison also is released. And I don't want life and poison being released at the same time in my system. So I have to learn to incline my ear to this and shut my ear to this. Because if desires are given space to germinate in our hearts and minds, they grow in strength. James 1. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, because God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. There's a progression there. The easiest and the earliest place to cut off that whole cycle is at the sinful desire stage. 
You play with a desire, you meditate on it, you give it a little imagination room, you let it fester, and now it's becoming more and more demanding. Now I feel like I have to act out on desire when it's full grown gives birth to sin. But sin doesn't happen. I don't know what happened. We just, we just fell into bed together. No, you didn't. I don't buy it. I just stole the money. I don't buy it. I thought this was the Grace Church. It is the Grace Church. I'm just telling you that this is what the Bible says. This is the new covenant talking to new covenant believers saying, listen, you have a responsibility. You and I have a responsibility to shut our ears to sinful desire. Abstain from the desire. So when the enemy floats the desire, I'm not gonna think on that today. No, thank you. It's the easiest time to turn it away. Because it's a poison for my soul. It's a poison for your soul. It's at war with your soul. And if you allow it, it's gonna release that poison. Okay, what, what, what poison? Well, the Bible says that your hearts can be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Hebrews 3. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily. How often should I encourage people? Daily. But I encouraged them yesterday. Yep. As long as it's called today. When's the appropriate time for encouragement? Today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so I allow sinful desire. You know what happens? Sinful desire sends out its poison. And its poison works to atrophy, to solidify, to harden my heart to the things of the king and his kingdom. It, it, it strengthens, it settles, it, it resists, it won't let me bend, it won't let me weep, it won't let me turn to God. So we abstain from the desire. Might I suggest that you decide on a seven day fast of desire, sinful desire. Call a fast. Everything that encourages sinful desire, fast from it. Well, what about other people's opinions and definitions? A lot of people have a lot of wise things to say. But a lot of people have some foolish things to say. And if you don't have a freedom to be able to say no, to stick a crazy label on something somebody else says, you're in trouble. You have to, you have to be able to take a freedom, an internal authority to say, this is crazy. This is crazy. No. No. I'm not gonna have that in my heart. Sometimes people can say harmful and hurtful things that define us beneath the truth of who we are. I will not accept a definition that didn't come out of the Holy Spirit's mouth. God speaks the truth about you. And he will restore hope and healing and life. Isaiah 8. And I'm gonna close as a short sermon. The Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me. 
warning me not to follow the way of his people. He said, listen, I don't want you, to, you're, the, you're my prophet, you're gonna speak my words, listen to me. I don't want you to be like the people that I'm calling you to minister to. I don't, warning me with his strong hand on me, don't follow the way this people goes. He said to me, do not call conspiracy what they call conspiracy and do not fear what they fear, do not dread what they dread for the Lord Almighty is the one that you are to regard as holy and he is the one you are to fear he is the one that you are to dread. Don't follow this people. If there's, if there's many, many voices in the air, the one voice that you snap to, the one voice that you stop everything else for, the one voice you go, shh, the Lord just spoke. That is the one that you, that you to fear. That's the one that's holy for you. That's the one that I listen to. And friends, we're gonna have to learn this way of of living. It's not a small insignificant piece. This is a muscle we can develop. This is a spiritual discipline, if you like, learning to, to shut every other voice out. Some of those are good and important voices in my life, but if you're gonna start speaking at the same time the Lord's gonna start speaking, I'm gonna shush you and listen to Him. We have to set that in our heart. Many kids, when they learn and they have needs and they're toddlers, then they come running to their parents who are in conversation with somebody else and then they just start speaking and they expect that you should stop your conversation and attend to them, right? And the, one of the first lessons you have to teach your toddlers is I'm speaking to this person right now and you're gonna have to wait. That is the worst thing you can do to a toddler, right? Because they, they, the fact that they have just thought about a red balloon and you need to buy me a red balloon is the most important issue in the world to them. But a weaned child, a child who has learned a little discipline, who has understood some of the principles of the kingdom, that when God starts to speak, no matter who else is speaking, we just go, just hold on a minute. Father, what is it that you're saying? I'm inclining my ear to his counsel. So let me close with this. Two very simple things, nothing new here. Incline your ear to the Lord. Number two, close your ear to lies. I'm really calling you to be the gatekeeper of your ears. So I'm gonna encourage you. Would you dare to just for one week, one week, Journal every day. Set aside some time. Go to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am on post and I'm listening. Coming to the Lord and giving ear to Him is not you praying frenetically. It's not you being very, very active. It's you coming to wait on him. It's you fighting everything else that wants your attention and offering it to the Lord because he's so worthy of it. It's you taking hold of every other thing that wants to make claim to your head and heart and saying, Lord, this is for you. This is my heart. And waiting.
Because the life of your soul depends on it. Some of the most bruising my soul ever had was when we lost triplets. Worst time of my life. And I was in a place and the strong hand of the Lord came on me. I was in a meeting, 5,000 people in the room. The meeting ended. I was lying on the floor, sweeping. And a prudent wife is from the Lord. My wife just said, I'm, I can see you busy with the Lord. I'll meet you outside. And they switched the lights off in the auditorium and I lay there for another hour and a half, weeping, weeping, as the Spirit of God began to minister to my soul. And he began to talk to me about my life. And I groaned, didn't even weep, I groaned my way through the pain. And all I know is when I got up off that floor, I was healed. I know what I'm talking about here. I know it can be done. We've had moments in, in church where, where the Holy Spirit would come in a meeting and stick people to the floor, stick people to their chairs. They couldn't move. And they said, oh, I don't know what's going on, frightened. I go, well, the Lord has just put his hand on you because he wants to deal with some things. Why don't you just calm down and listen? We had months where people would be stuck in the church and just weep and weep as God began to bring healing to them as they began to incline their ear to his voice and he began to speak to them. And I think it's time for revival of that. But it means that you have to get on board, as it were. Catch that wave. So I'm gonna dare you. Decide for one week, just one week, I'm gonna journal every day. Incline my ear. Lord, what are you saying? I'm gonna write down what I believe he said. And maybe it's, it's meditation every day on a piece of scripture. Better yet, do both. Meditate on a piece of scripture and then incline your ear, write down whatever the Lord tells you. And then maybe you should also make a decision. This is a seven day fast. I'm gonna fast from sinful desire and I'm gonna stick crazy labels on every stupid idea. That's crazy. This week, uh, we were just around the church, we have a uh, JJ suggested we put a piano in the middle of our staff room. So every now and again, while we in the workday, somebody sits at the piano and just begins to worship, and it's just a delight for me. It's like a breath of fresh air. What a workplace! And a couple of times this week, and, and I've been in my office working, and, and, and somebody sits at the piano and just begins to worship, and it's brought man, it's been health and healing. And every time I kind of walk out and I look, and Hannah's been at the piano just just singing a song to the Lord. And I thought it would be a great opportunity for us to end this service, just asking her to play. And I'm gonna invite you for the next two to three minutes, close your eyes. Acknowledge the presence of the Lord and give your ear, incline your ear. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up 
and the train of his robe filled the temple and his glory was in the room and his appearance was like brightest of lights and at his voice the thresholds of the temple shook I want you to imagine you coming in to the throne room now I want you to see your father notice you come in and he gets up and he comes running running to you arms wide open big smile grabs you picks you up holds your ear near to his lips and says I love you now just listen to what he has to say 